0: After all, our love of animals helps us be better humans. And the more balanced and healthy we are, the more balanced and healthy they can be too. Be sure and look for my CDs on iTunes. And to find out more about my work and to receive your free Quick Start Animal Talk course, just go to my website at ValHeart.com. While you're there for a limited time, you can also apply for a complimentary Happy Animal Assessment Session. And if you want to learn how to be your own Dr. Doolittle, check out the world's first complete animal communication made easy system available now on my website at ValHeart.com. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Val Hart, the real Dr. Doolittle, and today I'm talking with Dr. Arthur Young. He's a nationally known as a homeopathic, veterinary practitioner, a lecturer, teacher, and an author. He has studied with such eminent veterinary homeopaths as Doctors Richard Pitcairn, Christina Chambro, and Don Hamilton. He comes to homeopathy with over five decades of experience as a clinician, a researcher in contagious diseases of primates, an instructor in the pathology at the University of Pennsylvania School of Veterinary Medicine, and he is an innovator in the application of homeopathic medicines for exotic animals. His metamorphosis from allopathic or conventional methods and beliefs to homeopathy has been a gradual process and a very interesting one. A decade ago, his observations derived from many years of clinical and academic medicine changed his focus. And he says that in his opinion, many health problems in animals have been created by the practice of over vaccination persistent use of steroids and antibiotics, and the many grossly deficient commercial diets available. Welcome, Dr. Young.
1: Well, thank you very, very much, Val. It's a pleasure to be here, and we can do a lot of sharing and Everybody can uh, learn a lot of wonderful things. It's like all you wanted to know, but you didn't know who to ask.
0: (laughs) Good. Well, we've got you on the line, and we're going to ask you because I know you know. You've been in practice for you said six decades.
1: Sixty years. I graduated from the the fabulous University of Georgia in 1952.
0: Oh my God! You have seen a lot. You've been around the block a lot of times.
1: I have Uh seen. I have seen veterinary medicine change 180 degrees. Wow. And it and of course it's been very valuable to me to have lived this long yeah. to see all of these things that have happened. Yeah. And so you can sort out the the good from not so good. Yeah. And uh, it gives you an opportunity to be gives you that chance, the opportunity to think out of the box.
0: Yes.
1: And that's important.
0: It is important. Tell us why. Why do you think it's important?
1: Well, I'll tell you why. I I learned uh, when I was teaching at the University of Pennsylvania in the pathology department, the, the one thing that I ever do is put a name on a disease. You see, if you name a disease, whatever it might be, it, it puts blinders on you because once you've got a name, you have to adhere to a certain recipe, Ah. and when you adhere to a certain recipe, it, it doesn't allow you to think other than the recipe or to think in a different way than the recipe was uh, first predicated. Okay, and I find that and this is very, very important. That, uh, I never name a disease. I treat the animal what I see, and the same thing goes in human homeopathy too. You treat the whole animal because the body responds to illness as it tries to heal. It responds as a unit, not compartmentalized. You know, I'm an animal. I'm, I'm a. I'm a hot. I'm a heart uh, specialist. Don't bother me about your prostate. You know mm-hmm. that sort of thing?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So uh, this, this is an important thing to get, to, to know that the body doesn't respond in pieces.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Every cell of the body is infected, uh, I'm sorry, affected when you hit your thumb with a hammer. Yes. Everything feels it. Does yes. that, it, 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 it may be a, a, like a, my, my, a micro re- reaction, but it's there. And it's fascinating to know that and to know that there's no one size fits all. Okay. We are all individuals. There hasn't been a person like you or me since the beginning of time, and there won't be one uh, even after the next big bang. We are unique. We all are unique in the way we respond. And that's what makes homeopathic medicine so fabulous and it gives you the opportunity to really open up and look at all the aspects of illness. Wonderful. Okay.
0: okay. That makes a lot of sense to me, but, you know, you didn't start as an alternative homeopath.
1: No, I did not. And I will tell you. Can I get into that a little tiny Please bit here?
0: do, yes. Tell, tell us how you metamorphic. Okay. Metamorph-
1: okay.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <clears throat> I practiced traditional medicine for 38 years. Now, that's long enough. For them to give you a watch and send you to Aruba for the rest of your life. <laughs> but that wasn't the case with me. I just loved what I was doing. And in uh, 1990, to be exact, that okay. that area, I had an epiphany.
0: Ooh.
1: Everybody should know what an epiphany is. A, a big aha.
0: An aha life-changing moment.
1: Absolutely. I, mean, I was sitting around... Um, I have, I've owned uh, some really nice hospitals that were all certified by the American Animal Hospital Association uh-huh. and, you know, the good, the, good, uh, the good allopathic stuff. Yeah. And I'm sitting around and I'm wondering how come these pets that we're seeing all the time are not staying out of this office? How come we're not curing them? I mean, really curing them yes. to the point where you know, they don't have to come back in a couple, for a couple of years. But they're there every six months or so they're back in a couple of weeks or whatever, and they're coming back with either the same disease or what looks like the same disease but with things added on. Yeah. Why is that happening? I mean not just to me, but to all of my colleagues at the time. Right. I got to thinking about it that the body the body has a certain mechanism to protect itself. And the name, what's the name of that mechanism? It's called inflammation. Now, there are five cardinal signs of inflammation. There's redness, there's swelling, there's, there's heat, there's pain, there's loss of function. That's when the body says to you, hey, something is wrong over here, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Give me a hand. Mm-hmm. And that's called inflammation. So, what do we do? The animals or the people go in to see their Allopathic practitioner who, Mm -hmm. who they're all right there to do a good job, mind you. They've all studied very hard and they're very conscientious and very sincere. Yes. But there's a little different slant on things here. So the, what happens is they give them, in order to give them some relief, what do they get? Anti-inflammatories known as steroids. Yeah. So what happens is that the symptoms are suppressed. The energy of that disease, the negative energy of the disease, instead of being eliminated, is just driven further into the body and covered up. The symptoms are gone. Everybody's happy the dog or the cat or the giraffe they're all happy. Mm-hmm. The owners are certainly happy, and you know, and everybody thinks, "Well, gee, they've done a great job once again." But the suppression that has occurred is a disaster. Inflammation was meant to alert the practitioner, that the body has got a problem, and to sort out what that underlying problem is, underlying disease. I call it the sleeping giant. In uh, homeopathic medicine, it's referred to as SORA, P-S-O-R-A, which is a a word that was uh, coined by Dr. Samuel Hahnemann, the great Samuel Hahnemann, who initiated formal homeopathic medicine back in 1800. So it's a couple okay. hundred years old now, mind you. Mm-hmm. And so, not that the Romans and the Greeks didn't know something about it, I have to tell you. Okay. But nevertheless, so, that once again, we know that there's underlying disease, and we've all got it. More or less, we've all got underlying problems.
0: Yeah, we do.
1: But, and it takes a certain, a, a little upset to get you going, uh, you, an emotional upset. You lose a loved one.
0: Right.
1: A, a virus, a bacteria, uh, a traumatic thing like an automobile accident or you're playing football and you get a concussion, all those things that will wake up the sleeping giant and all of a sudden, what is this going on? It's a, it looks like a new disease, but it's been there forever. Yeah. And a lot of it's genetic. Don't forget that. Yeah. So anyway, we have a situation where now we've, we've, we know that the body is, is being suppressed. So the next thing that happens is antibiotics. Antibiotics, if you break that word down, it's antibio against life. The body has a wonderful ability to heal itself. We see it in cats all the time. When they get bitten, they develop an abscess. The abscess breaks open, it drains, and the cat's all better. Yeah. Without me coming in with an antibiotic. And also, I'll tell you one of the things, and this is very, very important, It's a thing called dysbiosis that's spelled D as in dog, Y-S, B as in boy, I-O-S-I-S, dysbiosis. And what is that? When these antibiotics that you're taking get into your intestines, they knock off the good bacteria, which are responsible for good digestion. And we have all of these animals that we see coming around who have been on antibiotics for years for one thing or another, And, you know, it's an interesting thing that uh, the great uh, Albert Einstein, you know, the relativity theory Einstein? Yes,
0: Yes, we love him.
1: He said the definition of insanity is when you do something, you give something to get a result, you don't get a result, and you keep on giving the same thing basically hoping that it will change and it will be okay. Yes. That's like one antibiotic doesn't work, you give another one. That doesn 't work. you give another one that doesn 't work. You give another one, you know, yeah. and the body, after a while uh becomes uh just absolutely suppressed with all this stuff there 's no ability to really rise to the occasion. There is a thing there is a thing and it 's called the the life force that 's what that 's what naturopathic medicine people refer to, mm-hmm. and then of course, we refer to it as the vital force or the German word that. Uh, the Dr. Hahneman gave it to, which is called the vegan, okay. but nevertheless that's the innate energy the innate energy that allows everything in this world to exist. if you can't come up with a uh, a way of looking at things, a point of view uh that the that energy is behind everything energy is there when the cells The cells talk to one another. They don't do it in Czechoslovakian. They do it in energy. Mm -hmm. And as these cells talk to one another, this is known as cellular communication, what happens is that the organs are able to perform in sync. And when that cellular communication is interrupted by illness, the communication uh, that's there to cause the body to, to perform normally is lost. And so what do you do? You've got to, you have to take into consideration that with this energy that's always there, that you have to do something about that. Well, I'll tell you one of the things. I will tell you that one of the big things that I find in practice and have all these years is stress. Yeah. Stress is one, of, this is one of the subjects I was going to, I mentioned. I'm getting, I'm getting it all on all points here, you see? Yeah. Once I get started, I, I can't be stopped. <laughs> so the point the <laughs> point we do we you're have force, fun.
0: You're a force to be reckoned with. Keep going. Yes,
1: yes, yes. So anyway, you take stress. Yeah. When you're stressed out, you're, you're you you cannot heal the way you should. The body systems do not work the way they should. So stress becomes something that in all cases of illness, I don't care what it is, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how brilliant or rich or anything that you might be. I don't care if you're a lion or a tiger. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're a cockroach. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the, if you, if you're faced with stress, then your body, whatever it is, can't respond to protect itself. But we, take for instance in this country, in the US of A, we have enough dysfunctional families to sink the Queen Mary. (laughs) <laughs> and here, really, and here is this dog or cat mm-hmm. who is ill, who is being treated by a veterinarian, mm-hmm. probably not a homeopath, probably a guy who treats the traditional stuff very, very successfully uh, as years have gone by. Yeah. And uh, this animal is being treated, and he's not re- he or she. let let's be politically correct there. <laughs> he or she is not responding as they're supposed to. Right. but meanwhile the the breadwinner of the house is coming home on Saturdays and uh and doing a number on his wife with a club mm. then there are the kids they're in the back room and they're sniffing whatever they sniff mm-hmm. there and there's a lot of yelling there's a lot of a lot of anger in that house yeah. all of this negative energy that 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 animal is going to have a terrible time getting better Or if he gets better, it'll be temporary. And then these stressful things that happen are the, they are the catalyst to wake up that sleeping giant. So you see, stress is so important. You take, you take, for instance, a geriatrics has become very important in veterinary medicine. Very important. Why? Well, people have earned enough money to retire to Florida. Yeah. Well, I used to, well, I practiced for almost 30 years. And, uh, what they do is when they leave, well, I'll say when they leave Podunk, wherever Podunk is, <laughs> they, they they bring with them the the comes the wife, comes the husband, and comes the the little dog that they've had for many years, maybe right. more than one dog, maybe right. cats, who knows? But they come down for the, that right that thing called retirement. <clears throat> well, they get there, and then one of the spouses gets sick, and passes away, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, what have we got left there in that in that uh, that family that connects the surviving spouse to life as they know it and knew it? Mm-hmm. Well, it's the little dog animal? or it's the yeah. little cat. Yeah. It is up to the veterinarians to keep that little person, that little animal healthy so that the... The person who is surviving the uh, the union the marriage doesn't go into a depression doesn't go into a, a sadness and and when depression leads to sickness, we know that
0: yeah.
1: one of the great causes of cancer is is depression yeah. and and stress I might add, yeah. so the question is this it's up the veterinarian therefore assumes a very very important role in society to keep these people who have lost. Their, their, uh, their bridge with the past, we'll say, yeah, and are now wandering around out there in a in a desert of of loneliness. But now, when when George the little poodle comes mm-hmm. trot, trotting in the room, and mm-hmm. jumps up in your lap and laps your face, mm-hmm. all is well almost with the world. Yeah. That's why pets are so imp- pets have become an incredible important thing in our country that people spend 37 billion dollars a year. Yeah. Count it. 37 billion dollars a year on their pets. And uh, and rightly so because they are not other nations. No. They are not. They are they are other they are not they are not uh, less than we are. No. They are. I'll have to repeat that out to change that a little bit. They are other nations living with us on this same planet, putting up with the travail of earth. They hear things that we never hear. Yeah. They they sense things that we have never sensed. They, in other words, they are not inferior to us. They're, in many respects, way ahead of us. The one thing that they lack, of course, is this verbal communication. Right. But uh actually it's it's so in, it's so important that you can tell the health of a nation the way they take care of their pets yes and that's something that's a very very important thing to know and in this country let me tell you they take care of their pets
0: well we do the best we can given what we know but as you were talking earlier you know you've spent so much time in traditional medicine, but then you got to noticing that we actually weren't keeping them as healthy and well as as possible, and so things have not been going on a very happy rose rose path or you know as happy yeah here.
1: well i I'll, I'll, so, I may let me tell you that one of the main problems that the animals have been ill or not been able to really be at their top is the the amount of the kind of food that they've been exposed to, okay. If, I, if let me tell you something, if you knew what went into a lot of commercial dog foods and cat foods, you would be amazed. You would be absolutely uh, livid.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm not going to go into it on the uh, on this thing because it's you know it's yeah. uh, it's that bad. But there's uh, yeah. I will tell you this: in a lot of the animal food that you see, there is a thing called. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Roadkill. <laughs> You think all those little rain, those little deer on the on the side of the road, and mm-hmm. the, and, the, and the animals that are knocked off on the highways. Mm-hmm. What do you do? What do you think they do with them? They're they're picked up by whoever picks them up for the, and then they they're put in, they're sent to a a rendering plant. Right. And then at the rendering plant, they go into a a process. Hair, rabies collars, or rabies tags and collars, and all. Into whatever they use, and they're made into a, uh, a product, which is then called meal, mm-hmm. and it's added to commercial food. So that, and then with that fact, what goes in there is not only the animal, but all of his diseases. Right. And all of his allergies. All of the things that, that, that haunted him during his life.
0: yeah,
1: And all of the drugs that he had, and all the vaccinations. Who do you think's consuming them? Now, now I'll tell you something. In commercial foods, for the most part, for the great most part, they are heat processed. Now, what does that mean? Well, when they you know they put them in the various big vats and they cook it and that and everything, mm-hmm. everything that's everything that's worth anything is knocked off at 115 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm. At that degree. Fahrenheit, out go all of the good nutritious parts of the food. The vitamins and, the, and uh, all of the, all of the things that give food the ability to create a healthy body. Yeah. So, that's all gone. So now what do we do? We turn around and we add in to the stuff that's left after the heating, we add in artificial stuff. We add in things that, you know, that are produced, uh, you know, not in the body or not in the ground, but they're produced in a uh, in a test tube or they're produced in a in a in a vat. It's all artificial. Okay. And it's not the natural stuff that goes back in to take care of the stuff that got knocked off. What do you think of that?
0: I think that sucks. You know, I've okay. always wondered, in <laughs> my technical term, um I've always wondered, you know, in order to can food it has to be heated beyond a certain amount, you know, a degree. Sure, they got to they um, pasteurize yeah. it, so to right? They can. have to pasteurize it, and then they even if they add stuff back to it, how do they get it in there if it's already in the can and being pasteurized and sealed? So well, they no, to, they put it
1: back into They put it back into the, the mix that they have,
0: right? But before also, they
1: stick it in the can,
0: yeah. But then they yeah. have to seal the can.
1: Oh yeah, well of course, so, and they they seal it. They're sealing in nothing.
0: Exactly, it's my point. So they may add it back in, but it, they're still destroying it in the, that's in exactly. the whole process. It's not, it's,
1: it's, okay. It is not the same. No, it is
0: that's not. That's for sure. Yeah. So
1: there's, there is there's okay. that. Uh, uh, now, here's something that's really going to knock your socks off. Okay. When they heat the food, whatever, it changes the molecular structure of the food. So that the molecules now that are presented to the body in that food to digest and be assimilated, mm-hmm. they're no longer what you'd call friendly figures. They are strangers. Ooh. If you're living in Florida, it's strangers in paradise. If you're living someplace okay. else, of course, that's something else. Okay. But they are strangers to the body's immune system. Oh. So what does the immune system do? It says, what, are you, what is this thing here? And so they marshal out. They bring out the trumpets and the whole thing. And how come the antibodies, row upon row, the antibodies come marching out to deal with the stranger because huh. the molecular, the, the molecular structure of the food has been changed. Okay. And so when, and when that happens, what do we get? Try skin allergies.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: Try a digi- chronic inflammatory bowel disease. Okay. Try all of the. The zillions of things that can go wrong with the body when the immune system gets to going
0: mhm, right, so autoimmune problems immune diabetes. problems are
1: rampant, yeah. rampant in this country, not only with the dogs and cats but with the people right so anyway
0: okay so so out come
1: out come the uh the the, the troops, so to speak,
0: right right,
1: and in come the steroids. Well, of course. Why you've got to use steroids when you have an allergy like that, and it's flared up, and the dog is sitting in the corner chewing himself up, yeah. chewing himself up, yeah. and itching and scratching, and the owner is getting nuts from it. Yes. And so what? Let's get let's get something done here. So the quickest thing to get done is a shot in the rear end of, uh, of uh, an anti a, a steroid.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. Then what happens is then of course many 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 times. When the body is uh, see, the body's not well at this point in time. The no. body, let's face it, something's wrong. Yes. So, the, as long as you hear in the office, folks, let's bring your dog up the snuff on its shots. Mm, yes. So we turn around and we give that name that you hear so often nowadays, vaccine. Now, on the bottle of every vaccine that I've seen. It says to be used only in a healthy patient or, a, or animal. Yes, that's true. This animal's immune system is challenged. He's not well. I don't know how you could think otherwise. We turn around and give him a vaccine, yeah. which in turn stimul- has an effect, a real effect on the immune system. So it's like it's it's like a around and around she goes and where she stops nobody knows.
0: Well, uh, we have a feeling of where it stops, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Well, animals, and I'm, I'm, of course, I've got my own feeling about vaccinations and kids, but that, we'll leave that for another time. Okay. But the thing is, though, that in animals we see more stuff go down, more unfortunate things happen because yeah. their immune systems are challenged. And at the same time, they're being vaccinated.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, I'm not saying that the person who's vaccinating them needs to do that. They don't. People don't become veterinarians because they, they don't like animals. They do it because they really love them. Yeah. They're doing the best they can
0: they're... with
1: what they have been trained to do. Yes. I was trained to do the same thing. Yes. Fortunately, at least the way I look at it, fortunately for me, I was able to, see, I was able to do a breakout. And uh, changed my way of life at sixty-four years old. Wow! And I went back to school in Colorado at age sixty-four and studied homeopathic medicine. And the only reason that happened was because my partner at the time was a very, very good acupuncturist. Okay. And he looked. He was reading a magazine one day and he said, "Gee, Arthur, here's a here's this course being given, and uh, it's alternative medicine. I know you want to do something with that. Mm-hmm. It's called homeopathy." And I didn't know homeopathy from a ham sandwich. Mm-hmm.
0: I'll
1: be honest with you, I didn't. But I, I was craving. I was looking for something. I had I had gotten into uh, uh, you know treating animals with botanicals, and uh, mm-hmm. I'd gotten into nutrition mm-hmm. stuff like that. But it wasn't homeopathy. It was holistic, we'll say. yeah. Well, yeah. So anyway, okay. so then off I went to Fort Lauderdale, and I took a three-day crash course in what homeopathy is all about. And after that, I was like a Later in the evening, I had changed.
0: Uh, it was amazing.
1: I couldn't get my hands on animals fast enough to treat them homeopathically. Wow. It was, it was that kind of thing. It was just always, it was, but it was marvelous. It was absolutely fantastic. So anyway, okay. that's how I got into uh, homeopathic medicine. and I, I studied out in Colorado, and I came back, and I, I took my, my boards, and I passed. I became uh, board-certified. At the age of sixty-five, wow. can you imagine?
0: I and, uh, I love it. I've
1: been I've been doing it ever since, and having a. But and I won't quit. I cannot quit. Why? There are so many people out there who are are crying, crying for alternative medicine for their pets. Yes. They would say I don't want drugs. I don't want drugs. Yeah. I don't want Prozac. I don't want my dog stoned on Prozac. I don't, I don't want them on, uh, all kinds of fermented animals that have epilepsy. Yeah. And they give, they, we, now listen, I've done, I can say this with impunity because I used to do it. Yeah. I was the, I was the party that I did like everybody else did until I got to this point in my life and thank goodness and, uh, you know, it's, it's all right. I'm not making a lot of money, but I'm having fun.
0: Well, <laughs> that's, that's the important uh, part.
1: Yeah, uh, and, yeah. So anyway, uh, then we get to vaccinations. Okay. May we talk about vaccinations for a little please, bit?
0: Please, please let us know. What do you think about them? Why, why Not much. did we do them? Uh, well, pros and this cons, is the boosters, deal. Boosters, all yeah. that stuff. Tell us.
1: I graduated from the University of Georgia. Okay. Go Bulldogs. Okay. I graduated in 1952.
0: Okay.
1: In 1952, uh, we were vaccinating animals once. We would vaccinate them. Would give them a rabies shot. We would give them a distemper shot, hepatitis shot, and usually that was about where it ended. They had their, their initial shots when they were puppies. Mm-hmm. It's when, for instance, there was a, they would give them a well. Back in 1952, there was no such thing as a series of shots. Didn't uh-huh, exist.
0: Okay. okay. Oh,
1: that's interesting. Didn't exist, and everybody was feeding their animal from the table. Okay. There wasn't any, you know, Formula One or this, that, and the other, and you get into it and all, all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. There was, listen, we're going to, you're, you're a dog, you can have the scraps, you can eat the meat, you can have the vegetables, mm-hmm. and all that good stuff, and uh, that's what you're going to get, Charlie. Mm-hmm. And they survived, and they did well. I can tell you, I am living proof, because I've been there and I've done it. And I've seen these dogs that really never had the problems that they have today. Wow. I would tell you that back in the, back in the 50s and the early 60s, the animals didn't have one tenth of the problems that you see today. And what was the difference? Well, the difference was in the food. The food is different today. Yeah. The vaccinations. But mind you, if everything is coming into my office and everybody else's office, and these animals have what they call immune mediated disease. Where did that come from? Because back in 1960, we didn't even see it. And so, there, what happened was, and this is a very interesting thing I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to share this with you. Please. Back in 1960, there were some animals, dogs, who were being, got their vaccinations. And they broke with distemper. In other words, the vaccine didn't hold. Okay. There was there was a bunch of them. Okay. There can be a reason for that. Number one is that there are individuals who can't can't get up a, a uh, an immunity. They can't build the antibodies. They just and so what happens is the disease comes in and wipes them out. Okay. And there was a little there was a little area in that time that. uh Resulted in the, the, the vaccine company saying, well listen, if they did, if they broke with the vaccine, we have to give them booster shots. Uh-huh. And that started the avalanche of booster shots. So they went from, uh, a booster shot every year for distemper and a booster shot every year maybe for, for rabies. Uh-huh. But before you got through with it, before you got through, you had distemper, hepatitis, you had parvo, you had leptospirosis, you had corona, you had rabies, you had bordetella. That's kennel cough. Uh huh. Uh
0: huh.
1: By the time you get through, you have got seven or eight viral situations that you're injecting into the into the body. Not that leptospirosis is a virus, but it's another living thing. Yeah. And all of these living things have a life of their own once they get in, and once they get into the body. The immune system takes a look at these things. Not all, not all animals have reactions, of course. Nothing in the world is, all, is, is, every, is always, yeah. or, always the same. But in. there's enough, enough of it around yeah. that these animals respond. And what do they respond with? They get, they have allergic response. They'll, within, the, within the first two weeks of having a, a vaccine, you can see all kinds of things happen. You can see animals who start to have diarrhea that never had it. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Animals
1: who start to throw up. Mm-hmm. Uh, animals who, who develop skin rashes. Animals whose ears, oh, tell me about ears. Yeah. They're the hardest thing in the world to uh, to cure. Yeah. They're very difficult.
0: Yeah.
1: I've spoken with uh, human homeopaths who are very, well, very well known in the world today. Mm-hmm. And they'll say they'll get a patient, a human patient, who's got all kinds of things wrong with them, they'll get everything straightened out except the ears, mm. and they're stuck with it. Wow. And I told them, I said, Listen, I've got a, a clock of spaniel here whose ears will drive you out of the house mm. with the odor. Mm. I said, I can't settle for what you're telling me, mm. that you've got to forget about the ears. No. So we don't. And we are able to also, I would say, produce a fair amount of good results. But, but what happens is those ears are inflammatory, the dog is shaking his head. He's rubbing his side of his head on the on the floor. He's whacking his ears with his feet, yeah. and you know he cries a little bit. The poor fellow. It
0: hurts, yeah.
1: Well, you know, and and so uh, you you go ahead, and and what goes into his ears nowadays? I'll tell you what goes into his ears nowadays: combinations of antibiotics and uh, steroids. And where do you think the steroids end up? They end up in the system. Yeah. Because they are absorbed into the system. So, then you've got, so now we're having all of these animals running around with a disease which I, I don't identify it by name because I don't treat it as such, but it's called Cushing's disease. Cushing's. Cushing's. Cushing's has got, has got to do with the, with, uh, adrenal Too much cortisone in the system. And uh-huh. then you'll see that. That's one of the, uh, one of the spin-offs that you'll get into. Huh. That's one of them. I call them I call them designer diseases. Wow. What are the designer diseases that you see as a result of uh, overstimulation of the or negative reaction by the immune system? Well, you see uh, what we do, what we were, just, uh, talking about. we were just talking about. We just talking about Cushing's. Yes. Then let's talk about diabetes while we're at it. Diabetes is rampant in this country in cats.
0: Yes. Yeah. And
1: exactly. it's tough to treat too because cats are funny folks.
0: Yeah, yeah, they. I are. mean, they
1: don't react to all the insulins. The way they, they we got to go from one insulin to another insulin to another insulin.
0: Yeah.
1: To, to keep them, uh, and they got to go to the hospital. They got to be, and they have to be balanced out. And they're in the hospital. It's big money. Yeah. Then, then of course, besides, then we have besides, uh, then we have, uh, we have in cats hyperthyroidism. Oh my gosh. Hyperthyroidism in cats is all over the place. It's the cat that loses weight. He's a, he's like a nervous Nelly. Mm-hmm. He's all over the place. He's like yowling, howling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. He, he he's uh, he vomits a lot. Mm-hmm. He's just one unhealthy looking guy. Yeah. Hyperthyroidism, and it it and it gets treated, of course, and uh, they he's on he's on drugs for the, for an awful long time. Yeah. So hyperthyroid is all over the place. Uh, hypothyroidism, which is the high thyroid gland not working as well as it is, is also around too. That's the fat, the dog with a pot belly and he's kind of fat and sluggish, and he doesn't care if the Yankees win or not. You know <laughs> that kind of animal. <laughs> so uh, that's the hypothyroid uh, guy you'll see around.
0: Yeah.
1: But yeah. that so so we have and then oh tell me about inflammatory bowel disease. Oh boy. IBD. Yeah. you know something that is a uh, that is one of the the most common things you see around inflammatory bowel disease, and once again they get treated with uh, antibiotics. Yeah. let's give them antibiotics yeah let's knock off more of the good bacteria they might right. have left right however and and one of the things, however, people can do 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 is to use probiotics right those
0: are the good mean,
1: those are the good guy bacteria. mm -hmm. Okay, and even, and even for that matter, prebiotics, which are those foods which have the ability to, uh, uh, supply to the GI tract those, those things necessary to keep it at least healthy. Prebiotics. Okay. So then you follow that with the probiotics, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a, it's a whole thing, but with a thing that, that, that's upsetting to me was that the cost of all of this stuff to the the, the pet owning public. And let's face it, we're in the middle of a recession. Yeah. Even though, you know, certain people don't recognize it, <laughs> but I recognize it. Yeah. They, they they and the people don't have the money mm-hmm. to yeah. treat their animals. Yeah. And as a result they're they're in a constant state of uh, of of upset and all the animals don't get treated. They get yeah. turned over to the humane society
0: right
1: if they're lucky enough to find a home, they find a home
0: yeah
1: and if they're not if they're not lucky enough, they get put to sleep that's right so you know we owe we owe a lot of uh, uh we owe oh. a lot of uh of uh what would you call we 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 owe a lot of of wanting to keep these animals with us they are our friends. The one thing about a dog or a you know a dog is that he doesn't care who you are. You could be the worst jerk in the world. You could be do all sorts of bad things. he still thinks that you're you're the you know you're the good lord that's yeah. the, the way they are they're yeah. just you know all that stuff. Yeah. That's another thing too that we run into is that people don't give animals the credit that they deserve. They know you're going on vacation before you bought your ticket.
0: <laughs> the way it is. Yes, that's true.
1: They said you talk about the suitcase, it's all over. So <laughs> you know, they're quite amazing. Oh, there's one thing I okay. Let's talk a little bit. Are we doing okay?
0: We're doing great. I'm enjoying the enjoying okay. you very much.
1: Okay, good. It's
0: good. all all very important.
1: Okay. Now let's talk about the fact ah food. Yes. One of the things you see. Now my wife jumped on my desk the other day. This thing from this particular uh uh publication Uh and it said uh, dogs should not eat raw food diets I'm going to quote now because I wouldn't write stuff like
0: this
1: (laughs) these diets are are, are, are trendy now but many raw food diets consisting of raw meats and vegetables were found to contain nutritional deficiencies that could lead to long-term health problems (laughs) also Raw foods are more likely to contain bacteria that lead to foodborne illnesses and pets in humans. They're talking about salmonellosis, by the way. Uh
0: huh.
1: Can I tell you? I've never seen a case of salmonella in an animal that uh, was on raw diet. And I was sharing this with a couple of my colleagues. I called up a couple of guys that I've got tremendous respect for today. Yeah. I said, guys, guess what I wrote? What? Guess what my wife dumped on my desk just uh-huh. the other day. And uh-huh. I read that to them. And they they absolutely, you know, they had to pick themselves up off the floor. They were so, you know, incensed. And it says, what best for it? Now, in this, this article, it says, best for dog health, uh, colon, a well-balanced, high-quality commercial dog food. Mm. Give me a break. First of all, When I tell people that they've got to feed, that they should be feeding their animals raw food, as I pointed out to you when we were talking before, I have never yet, I have never yet seen a dog sitting around a campfire cooking a hot dog. That's because their DNA says that they're a carnivore. Carnivore means a meat eater. And I will tell you who the quintessential carnivore is. The quintessential carnivore is the pussycat. Yes. If a cat had nothing but meat to eat the rest of his life, he'd be thrilled to death. But you have to understand that in the that in the native state and they're out there, you know the hunters and gatherers, you know. Yeah. In the native state, and when they kill something, they eat everything from the nostrils to the tail tip. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. the spleen, That's the pancreas, it's the it's the everything. You yeah. can you know what I mean? They yeah. even they even eat the intestinal content. Yes. They eat everything, but in what they eat is the all of the stuff that is is, is, is in nature. And you, for instance, like in cats. In cats, commonly see, that you commonly see are what? Hairballs. Yes. Why do you think you see hairballs? Because the gut is not doing the job it should, as far as it's, you know, it's milking things out. The peristalsis, they call it. I don't know how many people remember the word peristalsis, Mm -hmm. but nevertheless, that's what it is. It's it's the gut, uh, going through its, its work, moving things from front to back. Well, when they, when that happens, when they have, when they can't move things, uh, along as, like they should, they get hair while they're grooming themselves. Yeah. Did you know that in the wild, lions, tigers, cheetahs, they don't have hairballs? That's a good... How do you like that one?
0: Isn't that beautiful?
1: I love it. (laughs) So anyway... But they're
0: not eating Purina 1 or... Well,
1: there you go. They're not not eating... Okay. So here we go. We have cats who are on a dry diet. You know, I'm not going to mention the names because there's too many of them. Yeah. Cats get... Now listen to this. Get your pencils out, folks. (laughs) Cats get 70% of the liquid... From their food. Dry food has 10% liquid, moisture, I'll call it, moisture. Yeah, yeah. So from 70% moisture, they go down to 10% moisture, and what do they end up? They end up technically dehydrated. Yes. So all of these animals are out there. And then cats, okay, cats have a lot of problems with their urinary system. If you've owned a cat, you know.
0: Yes. They have yeah. They have
1: bladder problems. Yeah, they have kidney problems, and so here you are with an animal whose whose system of the body, which is like a you know a, just to flush everything out to get rid of waste, yeah. that can't function the way it should be because the animal is partially dehydrated.
0: That makes total sense.
1: Absolutely, you think about that. Yeah. So now, if you want to, if you want to feed a, an animal a raw diet like a cat. You can you can feed them on uh, you know like uh, raw chicken or, or raw beef uh, so that they get that and uh, they'll eat they'll eat a few vegetables you know and mm-hmm. cats don't need a lot a lot of carbohydrates. What I'm going to do I'm going to tell you that there's a book out there by a woman by the name of Anitra Frazier. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's Anitra called An- Frazier. An- Anitra yeah. Fraser. F R A Z I R. She wrote a book a long time ago, and it's still good, called "The New Natural Cat," and it's a complete guide for finicky owners. <laughs> That's, That's wonderful. For
0: finicky owners, but anyway,
1: you can this <laughs> this this book. I'm going to put. If anybody wants to find out how to get this book, uh just send me uh, your name or something on the on my internet. Okay. uh My dot my uh, my uh, you know email.
0: My email uh-huh.
1: is is this way, okay. Doc Appleseed. You see, I'm a cousin of Johnny Appleseed. <laughs> Everybody knows Johnny Appleseed. Are you he, really a he, cousin? He he planted apple trees, yeah. and I plant ideas. Thank that's you. where I got that.
0: Name. <laughs> okay, I love it.
1: Doc at Comcast dot net. Okay. 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 One whole word, Doc Appleseed. Okay. Now that's so you can find out about that. Uh, you send you send me your your your. Uh, Contacts and I'll see that you get this. Okay. Now, the other thing is, there's a book out for that. Now, in, 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 uh, Anitra's book, all the diets you could ever want, the natural diets, all the good stuff that you should know about your pussycat. And it, it'll save you a millions of bucks.
0: Wow. Because you won't
1: be at the vets all the time. Wow. There's another, okay. another book written by Dr. Richard Pitcairn. Like in Pitcairn's Islands? Uh huh. Richard Pitcairn. P I T C A I R N. Richard Pitcairn. And it's, his book is called, uh, uh, it's called The Complete Guide to Natural Health. Natural Health for Dogs and Cats. Okay?
0: Uh
1: huh. And you, I'll let you know how you can get a hold of it. Natural Health for Dogs and Cats. It's got all the diets in there for dogs. It's got more stuff in there. It's got all kinds of alternative medicine things. And what's it that all that people should know? Because you know, you say to, you say, okay, I want you to feed them a raw diet, and it's got to be balanced. Yeah. How do they balance it? Yeah, we don't know. Every every animal is different, like every person is different. You don't give them the same thing every day necessarily. So. Right,
0: right, Variety. So
1: the you have to know how to. One, of, I'll tell you something. For instance, uh, one of the things when when you, when people start to feed you know diets at home themselves. Uh-huh. They end up with uh, deficiencies, particularly in dogs, in calcium. Dogs need a lot of calcium. Okay. They they get a deficiency in essential fatty acids, and they get a deficiency in fat. Now these things can cause all kinds of problems. So you better know how much of this stuff to to add in. Yeah. And that's why you have to have something that you can refer to a book, a guide, rather than you know somebody saying well. You know, you do this, you do that. It's got to be a little bit, it's got to be more scientific in a sense than that. Okay? Okay. Okay. For instance, one of the things, here's something, Mm -hmm. You, you should feed animals bones. Yeah, okay. Okay, what kind of bones? Raw bones. Raw bones do not shatter. Yeah. Raw bones do not stick in your gut. Raw bones contain a lot of calcium. Which dogs need. Right. Okay. So then we get to the pussy cats. Well, I tell everybody, and also our dog owners, give your animals uh, chicken necks, the bones of chicken necks. Okay. With meat on them, meaty bones.
0: Right, meaty bones.
1: And Yeah, meaty bones. And what will that do for the pussycat? It will keep his teeth cleaned. Okay. That will uh, keep knocking the, the tartar. Off from their teeth, and one of the big problems in pussy cats is dental disease. Yeah. Disease in the mouth, oral disease, which in turn, when you have an infection in your mouth, where do you think the bacteria go when you're chewing everything? Yeah. They get into the bloodstream and they end up on your heart valves.
0: Oh boy.
1: Yeah. And you end up with a cat with a, uh, maybe a hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. Okay. Which is a an enlarged heart. That doesn't doesn't do too well. So there's a there's a, a good example for for dental health. Okay. Now I'm going to tell you something else. One of the things that people forget to do is to bring their animals in once a year. I'm not talking about every six months necessarily. So I'm talking about once a year, particularly when they reach the age of seven. Seven's the cutoff. At seven, we become geriatric.
0: Okay.
1: If you're a dog or a pussycat. And things start to happen. They might have happened a little bit before, but that's a pretty good thumb rule. Okay. Okay? So, you come in at age seven. Well, what does that mean? Well, the first two years of a dog's life is equal to 24 human lives. 24 human years. Yeah. Uh, Every year after that is equal to four. So, in other words, if a dog is seven years old, He's uh, 24 and 5 times 4 is 20. He's uh, he's 44 years old.
0: Okay.
1: And, and a lot of folks are 44 years old. It's got to, you know, they have some problems set in.
0: Yeah.
1: But anyway, and you take, for instance, uh, the dog that, ah, uh, that I can tell you a story. Many years ago, there was a guy by the name of uh, Lauren Green. Mm-hmm. Lauren Green was on that the program the, the, with the Cowboys. You know who I'm talking about,
0: yeah uh Bonanza
1: yeah, yeah. Bonanza. he, was on Bonanza and, he was, yeah, and he was sponsored by one of the super duper dog food companies, and they say they were proudly to say that they had this dog here and they had the dog right there that the dog was fifteen years old, which made him hundred and five years old. This dog's hundred and five years old, and look, he's eating this stuff, and look how well he's doing
0: uh-huh
1: well, I wrote them a letter, I said, folks. That dog is not 105. Yeah. The first two years are equal to 24. Uh-huh. We're now left with 13. 13 times 4 mm-hmm. is 42, right? Mm-hmm. Good. This dog is 66 years old. Okay. You know what they told me to do? They told me to mind my own business. uh uh-huh. They, they sent me a letter. <laughs> my, and, 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 yeah. yeah. to paraphrase it, mind your own business and keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so that, you know, really, isn't that, isn't that horrible?
0: <laughs> Terrible.
1: This is the end of part one. Please continue with part two.